today. I am here to give you the assurance that I have not forgotten you. If we want to see the new evangelization become more than just jargon, if we want to see it grow legs and gain traction and change the world, we have got to take seriously our responsibilities as husbands and fathers and especially as sons of God. I want to propose to you then that something that our world is desperately in need of in the midst of this crisis is Catholic Christian masculinity. If you want to be a good father, then bring your children to confession with you. I can't get there unless I become a man of ascesis, a man of asceticism, a man of training. A man not doing penance, a man not disciplined, he's not a man. You guys have upped your game. You know what, guys, I gotta say, I, I love this the concept of man show. Warning, the Catholic Man Show is about to begin. Welcome to the Catholic Man Show. We're on the Lord's team, the winning side. So raise your glass. Adam Minahan here, sitting with David Niles. We have Jim in studio with us. Jim, he tips his cap to everybody. Juan's out. He is. It's his, it was his birthday this week. Happy birthday, Juan! Happy birthday week. So, did you actually sing him "Happy Birthday" in Venezuelan? I did. I didn't know you could do that. I did. I looked it up, and apparently there is a, a difference in Colombian, Venezuelan, Mexican, uh, Peru. How did you? How do you, you read Venezuelan? I do. It's Bro, I had no idea. One of my superpowers. You think you know a guy? You think? <laughs> and then he sings in Venezuelan. Yeah, <laughs> it's like. I've been best friends with you for 30 years. Didn't and even know you could sing. <laughs> <laughs> Barely. <laughs> uh, this evening, we're going to have a special treat. I love special treats. Yes, this is a Buffalo Trace uh, product. It okay. is Stag. Oh. Uh, it's normally known as Stag Junior. Uh-huh. However, this is the new uh, release. Stag Medium? And they... Smedium? Nope, they... Uh, took off the junior normally you'll see a stag junior right there on the last g but this is big, big boy stag is is not well it's not the eh uh yeah, yeah, st- yeah. this uh, the other stag taylor or whatever it is but it's just a long bottle it's like but, the medium billy goats gruff but um i ignored that one um but anyway th- this is a 70 dollar bottle bourbon it's pretty hard to get stag is hard to get it's just it, it's released twice a year uh, it typically is rolled out uh, slowly over the, the course of, of the year, and so there's not a whole lot of bottles. However, good news is, recently, Buffalo Trace, has the distillery has um, released a note that says that they're going to be upping production uh, very, very you know, soon. it's about time. I, I'm just, as you were describing this and how it's always hard to find, it's like, you know, I'm a finance guy. I feel like I understand economics. At least in sometimes, form. Sometimes I feel like whiskey manufacturers don't understand economics. Creating, you know, like, creating a demand. Now, I understand Buffalo Trace is not this way in all states. For instance, you can get Buffalo Trace pretty much any time, as far as I understand, down in Texas. Here in Oklahoma, that's not the case. You know, it, we get a release once a year, mm-hmm. and it's gone. Well, if 
supply is low, lower than demand, then you raise the price. You need to raise the price to the point where supply equals demand. And, you know, none of them, they won't do that. I, I mean, and I'm sure that they have market research, you know, and branding policies that are making these decisions. Just mm-hmm. seems like you could charge more for your whiskey. If you wanted. Right, because as soon as it gets to the, the store, it's gone, you know. Well, right. why don't you raise your price? I'm glad they don't. Well, me too, except that if I want to get a bottle of Buffalo Trace, I just can't. You know, right. I, I think I'd be willing to pay an extra five, whatever. You know, I mean, I'm not going to pay $20 more. Right. But I'd rather be able to buy it. You know what I mean? Yep. So Stag is known for their uh, barrel proof. They're, they have a very strong bite. Okay, so this is barrel proof. This is barrel proof. This right. is a 65.5%, uh, 131 proof. So uh, go easy, gentlemen. You know, Jim. In moderation. He's 85 proof. Just himself. Um, this th- there's no age description uh, okay. statement on it. However, the rumor is is it typically a seven to nine year whiskey. Okay. So it's at least four. We know that, right? We know that that it's at least four years. Uh, uh, why is it is it bonded or something? Uh, no, but it's uh, that's that's what the, stag is. The, okay. Uh, and then it the, the like junior. I said, you mean the stag junior is four? Correct. Okay. Uh, but. Uh, the rumor is that it's about seven to nine year. Okay. I also brought some water in case we want to open up the whiskey a little bit. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So where's your glass? And cheers to Jesus. Cheers. So it's a dark amber color, as you I would do expect. Like the, I like the color. Yeah. It, yeah, uh, being, bar- barrel being barrel proof. proof, yeah, you're going to get a darker color. So the nose says it's a heavy caramel scent with a raspberry accent. Um, it is yeah. dominating presence of softer scents of orange, green apple, Sharpie marker, and uh, <laughs> you know cinnamon what? oak. I've never heard that, but I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, there's a little Sharpie in here. Um, so, and then it, get, it keeps going. But so the palette says a that strong- is such a funny, accurate description of. I think a lot of whiskeys actually have hints of Sharpie marker on the nose. I've just never thought to describe it that way. Well, there you go. I think that's that's hilarious. We're six years in. Here we and we finally still learning. Yeah, the palate is a strong cinnamon front. is quickly followed by an equally influential dry tannic oak note. The bourbon's proof is instantly noted as the heat ramps up, and um, flavors of walnut, nutmeg, and dry fruit creep in. The finish is uh, a, a tannic oak. Continues with the finish. It manages not to be too overbearing, but will likely be uh, divisive for some people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, rich dark fruits mixed with vanilla help provide a steady and savory base. The bourbon's heat continues to be present with uh, added pepper for good measure. After it ramps up, it resides, bringing with it a good portion of an overall intensity of uh, finishes flavors. Yeah, so the heat... It's definitely hot, but it's kind of just hot at the beginning. The By the time you actually go to swallow, to me, a lot of that heat has passed. So this so this is batch number 18, just to let people know. This is the newest one. Okay. Um, I, I think it's good. I think it will be better with some water. A few drops. It hurts. Jim's on the floor. <laughs> What do you Ooh. think? 
I mean, it is hot. It is hot. It is definitely hot. Whew. But it's not, I don't know, it's not like in a bad way hot. I'm telling you, I think with some water, it's going to be really... Well, that's why I brought it. So we'll, yeah, we'll try that. I'm glad you did that. I'm going to do it now. Dave, this is the last episode that we will do without the new new baby here. Yes, I was going to um, have everyone offer a prayer for the Minahan family, especially Lady Haley and the baby-to-be. Mm-hmm. Well, the baby that is. Yes. Because uh, Monday. Monday. Monday is the day. Monday is the day. What's, what's the date of Monday? I don't even know what the today 20th. is. The 20th. The 20th. Everyone say a prayer yes. for even if you're listening baby to this afterwards. Yeah, because God, God's outside of time. So please, uh, please do that. God willing, everything will go great. Yes, we're hoping so. No reason to suspect otherwise. And you don't know if it's a boy or girl. I do not. It's either going to be a John or a Mary. I hope you get a Mary. I have a Mary. It is just so lovely having a having a Mary yep. in the house, you know. It makes you realize, like when when we named Mary, Mary, our Mary, it was like pretty quickly realized, like uh, it's so nice. I get why people used to name all their daughters Mary something, just, you know, like the best, right? Yeah, why wouldn't you? Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. We're excited. So I'm pushing for a Mary. Okay. But Jim, boy or girl, what do you think? Girl. Okay, so both you guys think girl. Okay, we'll if see. I was going to put money down, I would say boy. Okay. I'm just, I'm hoping for a girl. Okay, that's fair. Fair. Really, I'm hoping for a Mary. Fair. Even more so than just a girl. That's fair. Yeah, I like that. Uh, so we're going to be going to the St. Phil- Philip Neary Comedy Festival. Uh, yeah, that's coming, coming up. up. Very quick. Uh, and if you use uh, Catholic Man Show as a promo code, you get... Um, Let's see, you get early bird pricing, regardless of when you do it. Now, here's the deal. Uh, Steven is the guy who's putting it on. His family's doing it. It's just a lay, it's just a lay guy just putting on this festival. Yeah. So the earlier you can sign up, the better. It's going to help him uh, know about the numbers. Uh, right, yeah. And, and, so, and Yeah, do planning and everything. Because there's so much that goes into this. And yeah, it's just him and his family. And then he's got you know a, a core group around him. This is right. their second year to do it. Uh, last year was so much fun. It really was. It's in Phoenix. If you're close to Phoenix, I hope I hope you'll come by and at least say hi because that'll be. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at. I, I mean, mean, it's just amazing that you. He just decided, hey, let's let's put on a, f- a conference, a festival, mm-hmm. uh, and then just did it. Did it. I mean, CatholicComedy.com. It's, it's a huge sacrifice to oh, do. Absolutely. You know, just from a t- even just from a time perspective. Uh, but it's on March 11th. What was the website again? CatholicComedy.com. That is a great URL. That is. Catholic Mancho is the promo code. Uh, Another comedian, Jeremy McLean. Do you know him? Do you know him? Uh, He's a a really big comedian. He's also Catholic. He's going to be there. So that'll be great. Nice. There'll be uh, probably like 200, 300 people there. Hopefully you'll be there. I will be there. God willing. Good. And then we're going to uh, New England for a men's conference. Yep. That'll be awesome. We've got a lot of things on the calendar, really, for the year. Yeah, we more more so than normal. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about prayer tonight. We are going to talk about prayer. Uh-huh. One of our favorite topics. I love this topic.
Men. February 22nd is Ash Wednesday. That's this Wednesday. And over a billion people all over the world are going to start living different in some way for 40 days. Maybe they'll give up chocolate or alcohol. I don't know what people do. But for many of us, Lent is a time to remove the comforts of the world around us and challenge ourselves to grow in self-discipline and relationship with the God who made us. This year, there's a new opportunity out there, specifically for men, that will actually help you grow closer to God and become a better man. Yeah, baby. So let me tell you about Lent for Men, a 40-day journey through the Gospel of Mark that will challenge you to dig a little deeper this year. If you've ever sat in church on Easter Sunday, wishing you hadn't wasted the previous 40 days, this program is for you. I'm talking to you. During these 40 days, you'll pray through the Gospel of Mark, reflecting in a particular way about Christ's journey to Calvary from the perspective of a modern man. You'll find yourself understanding more about who you were made to be and how you can start living your life for others the way Christ has so perfectly modeled for us. Don't regret wasting away another Lent and set yourself up to have the best Lent you've ever had. Ash Wednesday is February 22nd. That's this Wednesday. So get signed up and prepare today at lentformen.com slash tcms. That's the Catholic Man Show. lentformen.com slash tcms. Happy Lent, baby. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan. We're drinking some stag. Received zero yummies on the yummy scale from Jimbo Baggins in the corner. Sorry about you, Buffalo Trace. You're going to have to swing again if you want to hit the Jimbo yummy scale. Jim Jam didn't like it. No, he doesn't. That's okay. Not for everybody. There's a, there's a whiskey out there for everybody. That's right. Maybe even two. Uh, also, I'm gonna, I wanted to bring up that you know we've been talking about having a book study coming up. A book club? Yes, yeah. For the book club. It's a cap club. Can't get in without a cap. Um... We're going to do Leisure, the Basis of Culture. This is for our patrons. So if you go Fantastic. to patreon.com slash the Catholic Man Show, you can sign up. And once a week, we go over a little bit of uh, a different book. We've, we've done, I think, four books now. I think this is probably one of your favorite books. Would you would you say that? It is one of my favorite books. I mean, and I, I, I also I, think it's one of my favorites. I'm rereading it's it right so, now. It's so accessible. Yeah, I'm rereading right now, and it, it's hitting me in a much different way than the first time, obviously, because it... Mm-hmm. The Peepster I, does that. He's, I, uh, he's profound. Right. And he, the first time, was it was so new. Uh-huh. It was just right. such a new yeah, yeah. concept. I'm, I get it. Uh, and so I, I just was devouring it. Like, I just could not... I could not get enough of it. The subject matter that Peeper usually handles is usually a, a rich, very rich, um, like, foundational, you know, concepts. Mm-hmm. So... The more you grow, 
the deeper you understand things, it, you know, there's so much depth. There's so much water in that fountain. Mm-hmm. You know, so his material, his essays, um, you can come back to them over and over again, and every time. Yep. I mean, not only did not only is it because of his his writing and his understanding, but also just the way he's treating the material. The material itself is, you know, like the fabric of human life, right? Mostly. Yeah, I, I just really love his writing style as well because it's not just a, a stereotypical German type of writing, uh, like just very hard hitting. Yeah, because like, mostly I it's in English, <laughs> which is incredible. <laughs> which is weird. Yeah. Um, but I, I I really like his his writing style. Uh, I think we're gonna start it in March. Um, okay. Just to let people know, I think we're gonna start yeah. it in March. Get prepared. Yeah, like because it's so short, you could read it. And then read it again together. Right. You know, I think that would be beneficial. Yeah. Especially if you've never read it before, I would suggest a just a read through. Don't try to like dive deep. Just read it. Mm-hmm. You know, become familiar with what where he's going, what he's saying, and then you go back and you do it. You do. I think that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. So totally. I uh, so went and saw Jordan Peterson, who was in Tulsa. Oh yeah, yeah. How, this how was week. that? It was fantastic. Um, Did he wear like a weird suit? Yeah, he wore his heaven and hell suit. Oh, the red is the red it's, and blue. It's red and blue, right? Yeah. So it's super funny. Uh, someone sent him, I think, twelve of these suits. Uh, hey, if you want for to his send twelve me- for his twelve rules. So the right. blue side is made of sheep's wool. And the red side is made of goats, goats oh, wool. Wow, you get it. And on the inside, like the that is epic. You know, the lining on the inside is heaven, like you know clouds or whatever and then like couldn't actually see very fire. close yeah fire or something it's you know hell heaven and hell related so pretty funny three uh double-breasted suit which is uh you know a timeless classy look but um jordan peterson he was great i don't know like i love jordan peterson i think he's fantastic it seems to me i have no inside knowledge about what's going on but it just seems to me having watched him now for several years that he is definitely on the religious track you know, headed into the church, hopefully. Um, I, I, like I said, I, I don't know, but just... He didn't tell you? No, he didn't. I thought it was very mysterious of him not to tell me. Mm. Um, How Christ-like. But there were many times where he'd be saying something, giving good advice, you know, like, as Jordan B. Peterson does, and he would stop and really think about what he wanted to say. And I definitely got the impression that he was trying to, like, how do I put this spiritual truth in kind of a secular, with a secular phrasing, right? Because mm. yeah. he's he's known, he has a secular reputation, right? He's not a religious right. commentator or, um, you Although know. Although he's been doing. He's been doing a lot more, like, you know, Bible. the Exodus and Genesis uh, mm-hmm. studies and things. Um, but still, he even does that from like an archetypal um, viewpoint, mostly, you know, about, you know, these archetypes in, in Exodus, how do they relate to every, you know, just the human life, mm-hmm. which is, is still very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't done it. I haven't actually listened to it, but I've talked to people who have highly recommended it. Anyway, it was just great. One thing, though, I was struck by as I was listening to his advice was just a profound gratitude to be in the church, to have the wisdom okay. of the church, to have been raised a Catholic, to be raised as a son of the church, right? And to have grown up with the wisdom and tradition that she has to offer. Because as good as Jordan Peterson's advice was, it wasn't the best advice, right? It, um, not that there was anything wrong. There wasn't anything wrong with his advice, in my estimation, but it just wasn't complete. 
you know, when he was talking about, oh, how to be a good husband, mm-hmm. um, you know, or how to, you know, like handle your responsibilities, some of the things he is really good at talking about, it just, there wasn't quite the, especially when it came to like the marriage, you know, which is a sacrament and um, as a, us as Catholics, I think nobody, nobody can give you better advice on how to have a happy marriage than the Catholic Church. And what is it? What does it mean to be a husband? You know, what's your real call? Uh, and and so it just I was very thankful to have the church and her wisdom, her guidance in my life. You know, and the docility to to the church. Yeah, yeah, which is an important part of something we're going to talk about. Tonight. That's right. So, but anyway, it was great. Um, I had no idea he was even going to be in town until a friend invited me who had tickets. A little upset I didn't get him. Yeah, so uh, free, free Jordan Peterson yeah. tickets. Uh, pretty sweet. Yeah, it was awesome. Looking, looking for those kind of friends. Apparently, if you're a big Jordan Peterson fan, you wear a suit to go watch him because mm-hmm. you know he's talking about like, oh, he dressed for the job you want, not mm-hmm. the one you have. It's like, well, I already got the job I want, so I wore something more comfortable. <laughs> I did wear a blazer, so I don't know. You know like I kind of, I walked the middle ground. Very virtuous of me, I thought. Wow, <laughs> the middle ground. <laughs> nice, nice. So, I have no cabinet update. If if you were going to ask me that, I, I do have I wood. Was not I do have wood. Okay, it's been delivered. Nice. What kind? The oak veneer. Uh, the it's oak birch. Plywood? It's oh, birch. Uh, okay. Yes, it's a, a nice birch. I'm painting it. Okay. These cabinets will be painted. So. Um, no paint. reason, no reason to go with uh, an oak. What, what color? It's, um, I mean, just a the Roy green. G. Biv type. It's a of, green. It's a, okay. It's like a sea green. There's a, I forget the actual color. Green. Uh, yeah, might as, yeah, we could call it that. Sure. It's a very apparently, it's a very popular color. I have no idea. I don't really care. So sweet, you know. Wife is gonna be happy. That's all. That That's matters. right. That's right. She's gonna love it, and Which, so I love it. Uh, yeah, so much. Yeah, I agree. It's gonna be incredible. These, the color of these cabinets is gonna be my favorite part. Some would say it will pop. So much. So anyway, should we talk about prayer? I think that would be awesome. So um, where are we, lo- we drawing I love, today? I love talking about prayer from this book. If you're watching on YouTube, it's called "Difficulties in Mental Prayer" by Dom Eugene Boylan. Um. I'm going to be honest, that's not what I would have titled this book, because it's mostly on like the subject matter of prayer. He does mention some difficulties in prayer. When I bought this book, I thought, sweet, I have a lot of difficulties in prayer. He's going to talk about how to overcome distractions in prayer, and he does... Have you read Ways of Mental Prayer? By uh, Tan? or Yeah, well, published by by, Tan. By Laity. Yeah. No, I haven't. Bro, how many times are we going to talk about? Well, we've ways talked about it on the show so many like, times, but yeah, I, this is a much smaller book <laughs> than that book. That's kind of a big book. You know, I don't like big books. Um, so he does in here. We wrote one that's small. That's right. That's why we did it that way because that's the kind I like. Um, he mentions like overcoming distractions, kind of offhand, in passing, right. Not not that it, I, f- I found the book to be full, quite rich and full of many things, but uh, so let let's talk about it. Okay, I think maybe a good place to start. You know, it's like grammar, logic, rhetoric. You know, we should uh-huh. we should define some terms. Okay, 
be, meaning like what is mental prayer? Yes, he does start there. Good. Uh, I have not read it. I actually have this book. Have I read it? I have it. <laughs> you know, like, uh, I, I so I've not read it? Only by osmosis. Right. Yeah, so um, he starts kind of a, in an interesting place talking about some confusions of what is mental prayer in the beginning. But first of all, prayer, he says, is the elevation of the mind and heart to God. Mm-hmm. So prayer is not simply the recitation of words mm-hmm. that are meaningless. So if you're not putting your soul, if you're not putting your heart, if you're not actually trying to mean the words you're saying. Or at least the intent has to be there. Right. You need to, yeah, intend to mean the words you say. Because that happens to me a lot, where I'll start a prayer with fervor and, in, you know, like, intention. I, I'm really trying to mean the words. And then, you know, squirrel. And, you know, I realize I've finished the prayer. and Squirrels get bad I, raps. Well, do they though? Do they de- or do they deserve it? You know what? I take it back. They deserve it. I think they get just the rap they deserve, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the intent. That's a good caveat. You need to have that intent. Mm-hmm. But it is the lifting of the heart and the mind to yeah. God. Mental prayer. Um, uh, in mental prayer, we endeavor to originate these thoughts and desires in ourselves by some reflection. And then we give utterance to them by words, generally words of our own. And he doesn't act, when he says utterance, he doesn't actually mean with the mouth. He means mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, or even we give utterance by that eloquent silence where the heart speaks to God and gives him fitting praise without the noise of words. Okay. So we're going to talk about this on the other side of the break. Maybe say a prayer for us. That'd be a good idea. Yeah. We don't really ask for prayers very often. I'd like one. Sames. For over 35 years, Select International Tours has been planning pilgrimages all across the world, and they've been doing that for a reason. Yeah, if you guys have listened to our show, then you know that we just got back from Ireland. Uh, we used Select International Tours to book our pilgrimage to Ireland. Everything went just great. It went exactly how we planned it. Right. right? In fact, one of the pilgrims uh, said that it was his the best pilgrimage he's ever been on. Right. I mean, so the thing is, they know what they're doing. If, if you want to go on a nice pilgrimage uh, that's really, you know, oriented around experiencing the Catholic faith um, in some of the most historic, most important sites all over the world for the history of our faith, go to selectinternationaltours.com. They have pilgrimages going everywhere in the world all the time, just because, you know, they, they do it so well, everybody wants to use them. That's right. And if you go to selectinternationaltours.com slash catholicmanshow, you'll be one of the first ones to know when we're planning our next pilgrimage, which spring or summer 2024. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Yeah. So go to selectinternationaltours.com slash catholicmanshow. We want to thank Select International Tours for being a sponsor of our show, The Catholic Man Show. You want me to get you some milk? Welcome back to the Catholic Command Show. Jim is struggling. Jim is He over hates there. the whiskey so much. Jim, as you finish that glass of, of of bourbon, I want you to offer it up for my sins, please. Because I can tell you're, you're not just, enjoying it. He does not like it. I, so, I think that it is um, okay. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would buy If it was like 70 bucks, I don't think I'd buy it again. Me either. But... You know, 
The, you know, the thing is also... I can't wait for the you, bottle You can get, water it down. Right, exactly. This bottle, as I was beginning to say... So it's really like, like a bottle and a half. So, you know, like yeah. take two-thirds of 70, you know, so, you know. Yeah. You're going to end up like 45 or so. Yeah. So we're talking about uh, mental prayer? Mental prayer. Yeah. So what do you want to... I feel like you have something you want to say about mental prayer. Well, I mean, nothing that we haven't said probably before on the show. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I'm... I would not say that I'm... I'm a student of prayer, like because I want. To, would you say you're pro mental prayer? I am pro mental prayer. You're a pro at mental prayer because I want prayer. to do prayer well. Yeah, and if prayer is you know the lifting of the heart and mind to God, if if prayer is like so, there's they, they talk about vocal prayer, mental prayer, and then contemplative prayer. Yeah, uh, a lot of times there's levels in between each like with each one. So I think uh, Teresa Avila, if I'm not mistaken, has like nine levels of prayer. Yeah, but. I think five of them are in the contemplative uh, realm. So, but we're all. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I just on on that one thing that he kind of mentions in this book is that he mentions that oh, you know, with great reverence and and credit to Saint Teresa of Avila, especially, and also Saint uh, Francis de Chantal. Is he is he a Benedict Benedictine? He is religious. I don't recall what he is. Okay. Um, I think he's a But he, he talks about how, like, many people have given all these classifications to mental prayer, and those are very helpful, except to most people. Like, right. you know, <laughs> like, like, actually knowing the different levels of mental prayer, he said, like, don't worry about that, because it won't help you at all right. to know, it, is, it, is it worthy of, like, categorizing and, like, in order for study and... Um, you know, like, well, what has helped? What has not helped? Yes. Yeah, understanding but, something better, you can love it But for the better. average person, like, worrying about the levels, he said, don't even worry well, about that. And because once you get to a, 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 level, a high level of prayer, like con- contemplation, it's not what you do anyway. It's right. what God does to it's what, you. It's, yeah, what he does through you, right. And, uh, and actually thinking about what level of prayer am I, right, is, is only a distraction. Right. It will never benefit you during your prayer. That's right. But mental prayer, knowing the difference between vocal prayer and mental prayer are very important, I think. That, I think that is a, mm-hmm. um, a... So that's why I think the, the three categories are helpful with the levels within those categories are probably less helpful for the average person. Yeah. But those three categories... Yeah, oh, certainly vocal. Yeah, so go ahead. Uh, are, are extremely important because mm-hmm. vocal prayer is what a lot of saints have said, like, no one gets out of vocal prayer, meaning they don't continue growing higher uh, in, in, in your prayer life. If that's all you do, is that what you mean? They don't know that they don't know to do anything different. They don't know anything about mental prayer. So if if people are only praying vocally... It's the lowest level of prayer. Yeah. Right? And so if uh, mental prayer... Certainly the first, it's the beginning. Like, that's where you would start. Right. Uh, and mental prayer is this... Um, it, it, it's like this what true leisure truly is, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's this... Uh, it's the uh, If you deprive yourself of mental prayer, you're depriving your soul with what it is made for, namely God. Uh, and so when you, when you don't understand the importance of mental prayer uh you don't prepare yourself for the for the next life you you, you're not aware of the next life in fact a lot of saints even say that if you if you do not know if you do not uh know how to how to enter meditative prayer you won't ever you won't ever escape uh habitual sins right so um, Dom Eugene Boylan, he talks about the 
you know, the crossover right here between vocal prayer and mental prayer. Because obviously you start at vocal prayer, like as whether it's mm-hmm. a child or whatever, you know, there's like teaching you the liturgy of prayer. Like, hey, this is what you should be praying. These mm-hmm. are like great things to pray, you know, mm-hmm. kind of teaching you a form. And um, all he, saints all, all talk about how even though vocal prayer is the lowest level, it should never be... That's not what you're shooting for. Well, no, it should never be like downplayed. It should never be, uh, you know, belittled. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So this is what he says. He says, even if we do articulate words or vocalize these acts, because he says that um, prayer is essentially what we're doing is making an act of love. Like, mm-hmm. that's, to, to the, that, that's actually what we do. Like, what is the action of prayer? It's an act of love to God. So um, when we make these acts and desires, our prayer, even if we're saying words out loud, our prayer does not, therefore, cease to be mental prayer. Right, because inasmuch as we have engaged the mind, you know, making these acts of love, even though I might be saying words, I'm I'm actually praying mentally, right? I'm not just having the intent to pray. Like the rosary. Right. You know, if I simply have the intent to pray and I simply say the words and I forget to engage my will, forget to engage my intellect and heart into that prayer. Okay, you strictly have a vocal prayer. No, I did have the intent to pray as you as you mentioned. So it's still a vocal prayer. Right. It's not a mental prayer. Right. And mental prayer is this like light that that shines on your intellect, right? Mm-hmm. Because what you're doing is you are ordering your intellect towards the the higher goods, namely God. Right. Uh, and hit, you know, and away from the sensible appetites. And away from the sensible like we've talked yeah. about recently on the show when we're talking about the difference in, in different types of appetites. Yeah. Uh, but it's this light, it's this it, it allows you to uh, see things as they truly are and thus you can love them more because if you know them more then you can love them more and then obviously you serve it more. So mental prayer is this uh, beacon of light. It's almost like um, it's almost like if your soul was, I think maybe John Christum or John of the Cross, somebody somebody used this analogy, but they said, like, imagine that your soul is is iron and mental prayer is heat. When without mental prayer, without the heat, your 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 soul, the iron cannot be formed. Can never change. Can yeah. never change. It's hard. It's brittle. Uh, it's not able. It's not able to be conformed. But with that heat, it it burns that that mental burns out all the impurities yeah the sins and then can be conformed it can be molded it can be malleable um and so the more more you engage in mental prayer the more you engaged in, in, in the higher goods and the more you're able to be uh less about your will and more about god's will yeah totally so yeah so one other thing he's he that's just why mentioned. it's very important but that's why mental prayer is incredibly oh yeah important. no absolutely yeah that's what we should mo- i feel like most of your time should be spent of, of like your prayer time um if if you can you have to work up to like where you can actually get better at mental prayer and uh, you know i know i know that because i'm still really struggling at it a lot of times but he says even if um you do have what he calls lip articulation as you have mental prayer he said if that um, helps make our acts that these acts of love more fervent and more real. Then certainly, don't do that. You know, it's in that case, it would be sort of like an overflowing of like, oh, I have this mental like this. I just want to say this to you, Lord, and my mouth kind of says it because I desire to say it to you. Right. You know, so much. So it's not the focus isn't on what I'm saying with my mouth, but it just kind of happens, right? Um. So another thing is that he calls this kind of prayer is called um affection uh, uh, like these are affections what you, this affectionate prayer it doesn't mean that like oh i love you and i feel all these things but um 
eros. Right. So uh, when we pray, we're moving the soul to make these acts of love. These acts are are called affections, um, just because that's what they call them. Um, affections in prayer are essentially acts of the will by which it moves towards God and elicits other acts of different virtues, such as faith, hope, love, sorrow, humility, gratitude, praise, etc. Um, so there's just some terminology. Right. I, I feel like that's the terminology we'll be discussing today. Yeah, because uh, whenever you whenever you are in meditative prayer, you, you're... So I think we should maybe talk about like what, what exactly is it. So like if you're entering into a meditative prayer, maybe you're, you're meditating upon a specific virtue uh, or a specific saint or something, uh, Christ on the cross. Yeah. Something Christ- Meditation can at least lead to mental prayer. Meditation in and of itself is, uh, he's, he clarifies here, which we'll get to, the meditation is not mental prayer. Correct. Right, but then, but then, what you do is, is you, you know, through your imagination, you are um, realize, like, putting yourself into that, into that position, and to be able to. Yeah. So let's let's keep going here through my okay. notes because uh, next I want to talk about the powers of the soul. Imagine and imagination and memory being the first ones oh, to okay. talk about. So that's kind of what I was thinking. To, yeah. So you know, the, when we are praying with mental prayer, we we use these uh, powers of the soul, powers like powers of the intellect. Mm-hmm. Okay. Imagination and memory, because you know, if we're cons- if we're holding these concepts in our mind, how, what is it? What powers? Um, of our being are we mm-hmm. using okay so it's the imagination mm-hmm. and the memory um, by means of these powers we can recall and produce images obtained um, through our outer senses by a sort of talking picture as it were um, we can reconstruct new pictures or phantasms out of material supplied by former experience right so there are limitations but um, you know like if you try to think of the concept of honor okay you can't there's not like a picture you can get in your head um, except maybe the word honor, you might, you know, when when you hear that or when you think about honor, what is the image, you know, that comes to mind? What there are limitations also, but like, oh, how do you imagine God, you know? So, um, but st- nonetheless, um, these are the powers of the Honoring soul. Honoring your mother right before you die on the cross by giving her to the world. Yeah, be a good thing to think about. Boom. I know a guy who did that actually. <laughs> Um, there's also very important faculty. Uh, there's also the very important faculty of sense desire, which are the sense appetites. So these impact us a lot, uh, mainly through the desire of the good, which we'll talk about when we get on the other side of the on the other side. So of when the you break. desire the good, uh, when you're desiring something good, like let's say some virtue like patience, uh-huh. you pray for patience. Does that does God give you patience, or does He give you the opportunity to be patient? I think both. Especially with patience as an example, I think he will give you the opportunity, and that's how he gives it to you. And he'll, when he gives you the opportunity, he'll also give you patience to deal with it. The hosts of The Catholic Man Show have produced a practical, helpful, and spiritual uplifting book that helps parents make the connection between church and the domestic church. Living Beyond Sunday, Making Your Home a Holy Place reminds every Catholic family of their daily duties, responsibilities, and privileges to help each other become saints. That endorsement is from Father Leo Padalingha. Go check out our new book from Ascension Press. You can go to ascensionpress.com or just Google Living Beyond Sunday, Making Your Home a Holy Place. Pick one up for you, for your family, for your friends. And if you enjoyed it, make sure to leave a review so that way others can be made aware of the book as well. We want to thank Father Leo Padalinghug for his endorsement of our book, Living Beyond Sunday, Making Your Home a Holy Place. 
Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan. We're talking about mental prayer. Got a lot of notes to get through still. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast if you want to hear this entire episode. Also, if you enjoy the Catholic Man Show, subscribe to our Patreon account. We can use all the support we can get to help grow the account. Spread the word of Jesus Christ. All over the globe, people. We're huge in Japan, big in the Philippines. Can't wait to do a tour. I'm, And I mean that literally. Like We're substantially taller than most of the people in both of those places. Like... If, I imagine. I've never actually been there. <laughs> Reports say we would be huge in Japan and really big in the Philippines. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> okay, so we were talking about the uh, the faculty of our sense desire sure. um, and, you know, how that impacts our, our prayer life. Um, because they uh, these, these appetites, these powers, they desire good and are attracted to objects with the sense senses when they are set before us, so either in reality or in our imagination. Now, uh, this faculty is automatic, so this is not something we have control over, and a lot of people, I think, mistakenly will either be critical of themselves, mostly critical of themselves, because um, they feel a desire towards something, and they think maybe, oh, it's bad, that I shouldn't desire that, right? Um, even sin. You know, it's like the fact that you would have a desire for sin... That's not bad. I mean, well, it's bad for the sin. The inclination. But, but the fact that you might be you might feel desire towards a woman who's not your wife. Okay, that's not bad. She might she is probably desirable. Okay. Um, it wasn't bad that Eve felt a desire for the fruit of the tree. All right. It was what she did with that desire. Okay. So it's important to put things in their proper place, right? These desires, they're just part of our nature, they're automatic. We you don't have control, they're not part of the will. This is why we also said, you know, so if you have a desire, like if Jesus talks about, like, uh, if you lust uh, over a woman that you've already committed adultery with her, right? Um, yeah, because now you've engaged, you, you've chosen, chosen to, do to it. take a desire and now engage your will. Right. Well, and, and, but the same goes for the other way, right? So when you're in prayer and you have a desire... To do the good, to do good, to to lift your mind and heart to God, and sometimes you fall short. God mm-hmm. still uh, takes that into consideration in right. your prayer, right? Yeah, but this is actually one of the reasons why we get so distracted because an idea presents itself to our intellect, mm-hmm. um, and because we find it desirable, automatically our intellect moves towards it. Okay, and so now all of a sudden we're thinking about something else. We didn't make a, it wasn't an act of the will. It was just simply an automatic response by our lower, these lower sense appetites, right? Mm -hmm. So that's part of, it's a large part of distraction in prayer. Why we need fasting. So the intellect, yes, is the faculty by which we know truth. Let me just, let me just run through this because we've got a lot of other things we can can talk about. So um, the scope of the intellect is indicated by its power of knowing abstract truths. Okay. We've talked about a lot of this before, but I just want to, get it out here for this episode. It works by abstracting knowledge from concrete individual objects depicted in the imagination. Um, even after the intellect intellect has obtained matter for thought, the imagination still keeps trying to form some image to represent the idea with which the intellect is working. Um, and that's why abstract thought is so fatiguing. Um, 
because the imagination can never really fully achieve its purpose, right? Like it's this abstract idea. Imagination like can't sort of like honor, like I can't, if you think about, oh, the tree outside your house. Okay, good. The imagination can easily like, oh, boom. Yep. I remember because it's use of the memory. I can easily boom, give you that tree or like a tree similar to it, right? It knows treeness, but it doesn't know abstract concepts. And so it has to keep working to cut, to try to like get as close as it can to these. Which is why it's exhausting. Cause which you, is, you can take so many, like your mental energy to understand treeness. That's easy. It's like, boom, you know, a lot of trees but, from your experience, but the mental understanding of like even love, you, you can take so many different angles, so many different. Right. Exactly. Uh, it's and, harder to pin so, it down exactly what it is. Okay. Um, so feelings, let's talk about feelings for a second. Okay. Feelings are not mental prayer. Um, feelings that we get when we are at prayer mostly belong to the sense appetite and thus in and themselves are not meritorious. Okay. Um, nor are they even signs of true devotion, which consist in the readiness of the will to serve God. So just because you feel like, you know, when you have those, those moments in prayer where you just like can really feel God's love and you feel like you love him. Okay, that's great. Those are moments, of, those are gifts from God, um, but they are not signs of true devotion. Okay. Um, Most of the time they're gifts to get uh, given to you. To so encourage you in, to get, yeah. in, in true devotion. Um, there's tremendous difference between the feelings that we have uh, and the, that have their origin in the higher powers, which overflow into the senses, as sometimes happens, especially um, in the higher flights of the spiritual life. I don't think we need to worry about that. Not, at least I don't. Um, not yet. Someday, praise God. Um, let's talk about moving on to discursive prayer. Okay. So this is discourse, discursive. Mm-hmm. Um, meant uh, prayer that in which reflection or consideration of some mystery or some truth of faith predominates, and then we begin a discourse with God. Right at that. So this is this is like mostly what mental prayer is. Correct. Um, not that you're actually thinking about words to say. Um, because mental prayer might start off that way where you're, you know, like kind of saying things mentally to God and, um, but with practice, you can, you can move towards just these like, I don't want to use the word feelings because I think that's confusing, but just these ideas, you know, these desires, you know, your heart just moves. Um, I, I mean, I think about when I was falling in love with my wife I would look at her, you know, and just, I could just feel my love and desire for her in my, in my heart, in my chest, right? Um, and so, like, once again, not that our feeling of those things is what we're going for, but I could feel it nonetheless. Because we're body and souls. Right. So, that, that love, that ardent desire, that is the, that's kind of really what we're shooting for in mental prayer and just, like, offering that to God. Um, and then waiting, you know, then just like waiting for him, just kind of rest in the silence of offering that. And you can sit there for a long time. It's not boring when you're doing that. And then he will respond. I'm trying to sum up some of this stuff. Yeah. I mean, this is what Lexio Divina is also, right? So like you read a passage, you reread it, you set it down. Mm Mm-hmm. Then you pick it back up. You read it again. What's Are you reading my notes? This is exactly where I'm going next. Oh, no? Well, you're just right on point, bro. Nice. Spiritual reading. Okay. For those of us 
for those of us who have not reached the heights of contemplative prayer, we should be ready to make use of spiritual reading to provide the spiritual matter for our intellect to take hold of. Which we all are called to men, uh, con- contemplative prayer. This is what we're this is what we're made for. We are made for contemplative prayer. When we get to heaven, we will just be contemplating the the love of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Of, of the Trinity, of the Trinity, mm-hmm. and we are so we are made for contemplative prayer. It would be uh, just completely ridiculous for our, for our Creator to create us without the opportunity to do what our final end is. Yeah, uh, it would be a tyrant, and he's yeah, not that. That seems like that would be frustrating, right? And he's not that. And so, uh, regardless of your vocation, regardless of your state in life, uh, you know, you are called. The contemplative life. This is what true leisure yeah, is. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, not in the same way as like a religious... No, they religion. all look, regardless of your state in life. Right. You're called to it. doesn't all look the same. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's something that I think people don't... Like we need a... The church needs to make that more clear. Or at least just yeah, bring it back. Bring it back. Yeah. Equal, uh, equality doesn't mean sameness. That's right. World. <laughs> Looking at you, wokeness. So spiritual reading and mental prayer are as necessary for the life of the soul as daily food is for the body. Right. Uh, analogy. Candy. Please use candy. <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, m- mental prayer is like the vitamin C uh, okay. of uh, of your soul. There's so many, so much good. It gives you energy. It gives you, it gives you an immune system. It guards you from a, from uh, viruses or sins. Builds up uh, virtue, weeds out vice, vitamin C. So, he says, without constant spiritual reading, not only can there be no progress in prayer, but there is not even any hope of perseverance in the spiritual life. If you actually read some of the saints uh, on what they say on prayer, uh, it would it would probably make a lot of people very uncomfortable because they're bit, you know a lot of times they say uh, if you. If you don't have meditative prayer, you're going to hell. Like a lot, <laughs> that like, does make one uncomfortable. Like, like there's a lot of saints that, that will say that, that say like uh, if you want to root out uh, mortal sin, you you will not be able to root out mortal sin without without meditative prayer. Yeah, I think probably what they mean because I think we say something similar. Like if you don't pray every day, you'll go to hell. Uh, not that. That's a judgment, but what I mean is that not praying daily is the path to hell, okay, and you're on it. Not, you know, so when we say, if you don't pray every day, you're going to hell, not... That's a good point. I'm not making making a judgment on you. What I'm saying is that you're on the path to hell. Now, your, your destiny, I don't know, is unknown. You might not pray every day, and you might still wind, you know, like... Through the mercy of God. Yeah, like... You might still save yourself at the end of the life, at the end of your life, by the grace of God. Yeah, you know, God but take, yeah. but praying every day—that's the way to heaven. Not praying every day—that's the way to hell. Because if prayer is lifting your heart and mind to, to God, and you don't do that, then you can't have a relationship with Him. You cannot grow with Him, and He desperately wants to have a relationship with you. He desperately mm. wants to be with you. So there's some pretty heavy, heavy stuff we're gonna get to. You got to go subscribe to the podcast. To hear the rest of this episode, you're listening to The Catholic Man Show with Adam Minahan and David Niles. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass and pray. Pray. 
Cheers to Jesus. Okay, I'm going to skip some of this stuff because we've already caught, we've already talked about a lot of this. I did uh, not read any of this, so I apologize. Well, no, I've been it, throwing you it, off. No, you haven't. It's you've been like going point for point down my list. So it's amazing. It's like the it's like you're like a channel of the Holy Spirit right now. Come Holy Spirit. So I am going to skip some of this stuff because we have. Um, you know what? This is just interesting. A little bit of a sidebar. So he's talking about you know your effective prayer, your mental prayer. He kind of keeps calling it both, but I think he calls it affective prayer in order to be more specific that he's meaning that you're making these affections of the soul, right? Yeah. So that you're not confused about mental prayer being so like, oh, I think about... Because he, he makes the clear distinction, which we, I don't think we've gotten to yet, that uh, meditation is not mental prayer if you fail to make these acts of love while doing it, right? Um, this so, is why it's so important at the end of... of when you do this, you make those acts of love, mm-hmm. and you get you, you uh, tell God you, you give God uh, thanks for all the things that He gave you through this prayer before you close before you close. Yeah, oh, great idea. But He says um, when He's He's like, oh well, some good material to help you like get off the ground mm-hmm. um, to make these. Or He says the four ends for which the mass is offered might supply four headings for the prayer. four what the four ends like the purposes. Ends. Yeah. Okay. Uh, which I had never heard. I mean, it's like, they're pretty basic, but I didn't know that there were four ends for which the Mass is offered. Uh, acts, reparation. So, to adore God, to praise Him and thank Him, to atone for our sins, and to beg His grace and mercy. Yeah. Kind of a sidebar. I like it. I didn't know that there was like, oh, there's a list. Um, so, distractions, if there's something that keeps coming in as a distraction, turn it into a prayer by talking to our Lord about it. Um, that's something that has been very effective in my prayer life. Whenever I have things that come up, I say, Lord, this is coming up because apparently I care about this Yeah, uh, because it's coming up in my life. Uh, and I am giving this time to you. And apparently this is something that's, that I'm either concerned about or frustrated with, or, you know, X, Y, or Z emotion with this and it could be something that it's not actually a distraction it's something that he's placing before you right um, grace is so crazy because the desire like if you desire t- to gain wisdom and you're like oh i want to pray for for this so you you pray that you have that, that you uh that god will grant you wisdom well god are, gave you the grace to desire it it's very wise of you to pray for that it is very wise of you like you should pr- pray specifically for specific virtues but we were we were reading uh, Kings about Solomon mm-hmm. today to the kids. It was just like you know the Queen of Sheba comes and it's like about how great Solomon is in the beginning. Right, like, man, he really blew it. How the turntables have turned. Right, man. at the end. But it but even the desire to do something is initiated by God. This is the the beauty of the economy of grace, right? He desires to be. This is why he's constantly pursuing it. He's yeah. constantly. You can't actually do anything without other than just cooperate, right? Because uh, he constantly wants to be in relationship with you. Yeah. And again, this prayer is this spending time with him, this being able to have a relationship with him. Yeah. And if you feel like your prayer is good, it's only because he made it good. The only thing good you can do is engage the uh, engage your will to desire to pray well. Right. That's all you actually have to do is just you you show up with the desire to pray well, and then actually you can't actually make yourself pray well. 
Right. So a lot of times when I start off in prayer, I will ask uh, our Blessed Virgin Mary to beg our Lord on my behalf to pray well. Mm-hmm. And like that kind of sets. Yeah, I've I, I will sometimes do something similar to that. Um, and, and because I know especially that, when I'm really distracted, like if I'm having a lot of struggle through mm-hmm. the prayer, that's I'll especially turn to her. Yeah, because uh, and ask her to save me, <laughs> please save me. <laughs> Point me back to your to your son. But we'll get. I want. We'll cover distractions more here in just a second. Okay. Um, I want to cover some uh, things to be avoided. Things, things to be avoided of mental prayer. Okay. Things not to do. Okay. One abuse of mental prayer to be avoided consists in making one's mental prayer a preparation of the mind for work, rather than a stirring uh, up of the will to pray in love. Because we're not made for work; we're made for leisure. That's right. Right. We're made to rest in Him. And so you might like imagine. Also, so this book, he's he's writing it mostly for other religious. Correct. Okay, so um, the work of a religious is also at the service of our Lord. So let's just say that you also, let's say you're a full-time minister, right? You're a youth youth group. So this is your work. Your work itself is a prayer. And so you're sitting there in mental, you know, in your mental prayer, and you might be praying about your work. You know, that's good. It's still a good thing to do, you know, and ask, you know, having these conversations with God about how can I serve you with these children, with these you know young people or whatever? But if you are using your mental prayer as a okay, well, what do I need to do? Okay, then maybe I should you know all of a sudden now you've turned inward on your own to do list. Hmm. That is wise. You know you're not actually yeah. focusing on charity, love of God anymore. So these are these are things to be avoided in mental prayer. Mm-hmm. You know you can beg. And discuss about these things, but not your mental prayer shouldn't be about work. Right. It should be about loving him at your work, mm-hmm. which is totally different. Um, the next thing, which I really like, he says, in quotes, fine speeches should be avoided like the plague in private prayer. Not only does the Lord not wish for sp- fine speeches, he does not even ask for good grammar. Effective, affective prayer is often quite incoherent. And then he specifically says, vouchsafe and other words of that sort are best left unused. Vouchsafe. So don't use that. Don't you dare use the word vouchsafe. If you don't use that word at least 20 times a week in your day-to-day convo, you better not bring it up with the do you, Lord. Do you use vouchsafe I'm, in your prayer, Jim? No. Good. It is vouchsafe, like... That that's in the auxilium Christianorum prayers that I say, and when yeah, when I first started yeah. saying it, I was like, "What the heck is this word?" Yeah, it's like, all right. I mean, it sounds cool. By the uh, way, we did a whole episode on the auxilium Christianorum. Yeah, you can go look Big, that up. Yeah, I like the auxilium. I'm not putting it down. Yeah, uh, and just for clarification here, my wife and I prayed every night. Yeah, some some more errors to be avoided. Okay. Uh, do not endeavor to do all the talking. I think that kind of goes without saying. Yeah, right? I mean, mental prayer is 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 mostly you not talking. This is something though that I feel like we need to make um, a stronger point of in general in the Catholic world. Okay, is that if you go into prayer and you're quiet, that God will speak to you. Okay, He will. 
if if you go and you you know like and you pray and not that like okay you're gonna go kneel down. I'm not saying that you know you give it 20 seconds and you're right. gonna hear His word. Right. That's not okay because God doesn't speak to you when you're ready. Right. He speaks to you. Well, actually, take that back. He does speak to you when you're ready. But if if you're expecting him to speak to you now, the thing is, you're not ready. Okay, so you need to be disposed, and he will make you ready. But it might take longer than you, than you want it to. But if well, I'll tell you, like when I went to like when I started going to adoration, and I decided because I used to what I used to do with adoration is I used to take a book in there and I would like get in there, I would pray my pray rosary really fast, fifteen minutes, knock that out, uh-huh. and then I would sit for just a few minutes and then I, I would read. Yeah. And that's what my adoration hour would, would consist of. And then I decided, like, no, I am just going to sit there. Mm-hmm. And it took, it took a lot of weeks before I actually felt like I was in a conversation with God. So it yeah. was not, and, you know, it was an hour at a time, so I'm not saying that's a lot, but I'm just saying uh, it is if you're not used to sitting in quiet by oh yourself. gosh! I mean, when we first, the, when I first did Exodus ninety, that first day, I remember like twenty minutes of just sitting sit, there, sitting here. I remember like looking at the clock many times. Right, I just wasn't used to doing that. You right. Know? Uh, so I mean, but this is what you do when you love somebody is you just want to be with them. Right. Like this is what this is the beauty of seeing a a seventy year old couple sitting at dinner out, you know, at a restaurant. Depends on the couple. <laughs> Sure. Some of them are looking around. It's like you think they came to you think they came here to eat. It's what it looks like, you know. Whereas like dating couples, they'll sit there and look at each other and talk to each other. So it dep- I'm just saying it depends on the old. Some well, old couples will sit there and you can just tell they just are over the over the moon with each other. You know what I mean? Well, they're uh, well. My point was is that yeah, they don't sorry. have to talk. No, they'll just be in each other's presence. Right. The newlywed couple are always talking to each other because they're getting to know each other i've just seen some funny old couples it's like they're sitting across the table eating and you can tell like they hardly are aware that their spouses you know they're they're far more interested in other things you know but i'm sorry that's a total side sidebar sidebar um let me find my spit okay uh here's another thing we need to guard ourselves against side judgments yeah that was a side judgment pretty judgy (laughs) felt pretty good <laughs> um we he says we also need to be on our guard against self-deception by vain imaginings and wishful thinkings so he says this right after he says you know like you need to listen and and quiet and be quiet because god will speak to you but be on your guard against like these wishful thinkings you know okay because I think there's another... My desire ends up being God's desire. Isn't that crazy? Well, also, there's this other flip... The flip side to this is that, oh, I hear God speaking to me about everything, and he always... Yeah, he always tells me what I want to hear. You know, like, uh, yep, he told me I should buy the house. He told me, I, I, you know what, I deserve that new Porsche. He really wants me to get that new Corvette. That's right, yeah. Like, I prayed about it, and... I'm at know, peace. Right, exactly. I'm just following the Lord's will you know, by what it fill in the blank. Jim, I was in prayer and I felt very at peace that he wanted me, he wanted you to give me $50,000. Oh. This is just what he wanted. I'll talk to him later. So, yeah. So the other thing he says, and I think this is a good point. Um, he says that people often have trouble letting themselves go and talking to the Lord naturally in prayer. He says, um, 
It is true that reverence is essential to all prayer, but in private prayer, we're in conversation with God who is in love with us and who seeks so great an intimacy with us that um, with such art and with such ardor that he gives us his own body and blood for our food, thus showing the intensity of his desire for our heart. He wants us to talk to him quite freely, and he will make allowances for us if our attention to him causes us to be unceremonious. You know, so, yes, of course we want to maintain reverence in prayer, but he wants us to just, like, come to him, right? Like, don't put a false front on, you know, and that's kind of part of that, like, don't use words like vouchsafe, and, right. you know, this is, uh, he that, just th- he thinks you're dumb when you do that. What I uh, what I think about whenever I hear this is is when Mother Angelica, which, by the way, if you guys have not uh, audio-booked Raymond Royo's uh, Mother Angelica story biography, it's it's... Very well done, worth worth your time. But uh, he talks about how she would just go into adoration and just tell him about her new shoes. Like, these are my new shoes, Lord. I know you already know this, mm-hmm. but you know I'm really excited about them. I got them, and she would like go into detail about how excited she was about her new shoes. Yeah, because that's just what was on her I mind agree. that day. Yeah. But this right. is what this is the, that's that's someone who like has a real relationship, right? And who actually believes that th- this is a relationship? It's not like uh, you know. It's it's not like we're worshiping the gods on Mount Olympus, you know, who right. just want sacrifice. You but know, isn't it isn't it true even with us? Like there are things that you do not care about at all that Lady Pamela does. Well, I'm thinking more. About, I think more about my kids. You know, like they'll or yeah, and they want to tell me all about it. Yeah, yeah. okay, either one. Um, and there are things, but you like want to hear about it because right. yeah. you, because you love them uh-huh. and you, you, it's like, and I, I see how much it means to them. To them. And so like, I, and it's just, I, I yeah. want to know about it. Like I want to, t- to have this conversation, not because I actually even care about what you're talking about, but I know it, it delights you. And so it delights me. Yeah, exactly. That's, and that's exactly how it is. He says, it's better even at the risk of being wanting in reverence or of being imperfectly disposed to get into close touch with him who came to heal us and to heal our ills to keep a, then to keep away from him through an excess of reverence. The last traces of Jansenism are far from extinguished in our notions of piety. So, you know, this idea that... What you do is like... Right, yeah, like, oh, I have to be super pious in mm-hmm. order, you know, to earn... God's love and salvation. Okay. Some some other things. Wow. These are not these are in less of an order from here on out. Okay. Uh see these are just kind of like things that I thought were good. Sidebars. From the rest of the book. Judgy sidebars by David Niles. Aren't those the best though? That guy's totally not going to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> It's okay, guys. We're just on the podcast now. It's not on Catholic Radio anymore. All right. Uh, the way which leads to progress in prayer is the same that leads to progress in virtue, practice, and habit. Right. There can be prayer is a virtue. There can be no. I think you'll like this one. Let me read this, and then you tell me what you think. There can be no progress in prayer without a mortified life. Now, this does not mean that a life of great and this does not mean a life of great corporal penance. It is our self-love that we must mortify. And to attempt extraordinary or unusual corporal penances 
without clear call from God and the approval of some proper authority, is usually only a subtle form of self-seeking. I do like it. It must always be remembered that it is by interior mortification of the memory, of the imagination, and the emotions, and by the ready acceptance of humiliations that the greatest and quickest progress is made. Right, but you can't even expect to have interior mortifications if you can't if you're not willing to do exterior mortifications. I think that's a great point. Yeah, so if you think, "Oh, I'm not going to fast because I'm just going to mortify my self-love." It's like, "Okay. Yeah, right. you let me know. You go ahead and you have a third chocolate chip cookie and tell me you're going to mortify your self-love." Right. You know, um, the importance of mortification is not so much that it hurts us but that it gives Jesus new life in us. We only put ourselves to death in order to clear way for Christ. That's what actually what the word mortification means. It means to put like a self-death. Um, just jump in as you see fit. Uh, carrying on, there is only one weapon that is essential for dealing with all difficulties and for making progress in prayer. That is a firm resolution never to cease trying, never to give up praying, no matter what difficulties arise, no matter how small the measure of success, no matter what the cost is going to be. Such a manly, that's a manly quote right there, don't you think? Yeah, I really like that. And that, this is the gift of time, right? So uh, once, you, uh, once you go to confession and you've uh, repented of your sins, it's like, okay, today I've been given this time to glorify God, mm-hmm. and I, I'm going to use it to do such yeah. Like, I'm, I'm going to do this. So the other day... Every single day. I, um... Actually, it was Tuesday morning. I went to Jordan Peterson on Monday. Mm-hmm. And it was a really late night. I didn't get home till midnight. So, um... Never mind, I didn't want to go. By the time I woke up, I had to get straight to, like, I had meetings and things. Um, and so I didn't have time to pray, like, first thing in the morning, like I usually do. Mm-hmm. And I was okay. It's okay. I was like, I'm going to do it this time. And then because I was out of my routine, mm-hmm. you know, I just totally forgot to do it. I did remember in the evening after the kids were down. Mm-hmm. And I knew I am not going to be able to stay awake mm-hmm. through prayer. And so there was that temptation. It's like, what good is it? I'm literally going to sleep through this 20 minutes of prayer, mm-hmm. no matter what I desire. You know, like don't don't even worry about it. Just hey, you know, right. you it was an honest mistake. You honestly forgot to pray. Right. You were gonna do it. You had a good plan. You know, that's just the way it went. God God understands. I was like, no, I'm gonna sleep through 20 minutes of prayer, <laughs> and I did. And I it was a real struggle. You know, but I did. I didn't just give in to sleep. Right. You know, and call that my prayer. I tried to pray for 20 minutes. And it, like, you know, it's sort of when you're falling asleep, all you want to do is go to sleep. But I did it, you know. Did I actually pray very much? No. no I didn't. Right. But I kept... You had the desire. I kept trying. And that's that's the important thing. Yep. Even if you're not... Even if you're not actually Today, praying I'm very gonna well. Today, I'm going to get up and I'm going to try again. Exactly. So I like this next quote. When we decide to become men of prayer... We make a declaration of war, not only on our lower selves, but on the devil himself. Mm-hmm. Nothing but resolute courage and firm, unshakable confidence in God can enable us to persist in that combat. Just think about that. You know, when you become a man of prayer, 
you're putting on your armor. And that's the and the good thing is that God will actually give you well, the armor and, to and wear. And mental prayer allows you to to think about the higher goods, mm-hmm. right? Because you're you're now contemplating on higher goods, uh, which fill your mind which uh, of the true good and beautiful, which does not allow you to think about. You cannot be in mental prayer and being like sinning, right? Yeah. Because you're thinking about the goods. I think Saint Teresa of Avila said, "If you spend like spending fifteen minutes a day contemplating our Lord's passion." is incompatible with mortal sin. Right. You know, that if, if you That's would right. just simply do why, that, mortal sin would just cease to be in your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, another saint, I can't remember if it's uh, St. Catherine, or I'm not sure who, uh, maybe St. Robert Bellman, uh, but uh, he said that uh, if you don't have mental prayer, you don't need the devil to go to hell. <laughs> you can just go... You, you can go all by yourself. You, you go all by yourself. Okay. Let's talk it, about they this. They didn't say it in that way, but that's that was, let the, me that sum was up. the jest. Let me, let me sum up. Right. So here's here's some things on distractions. Okay. The struggle against distractions it will test the strength of your resolution. Um, distractions may be due to a failure to recollect oneself generously and completely at the beginning of prayer. In these cases, the remedy is obvious. Recollect yourself. Okay? So... Don't just like kneel down and expect to be able to like dive into mental prayer. Sure. Right? So that's the point of spiritual reading ahead of time, you know, having a recollection, a little bit of meditation. Meditation leads into mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. mental prayer. So um, unless the mind has something to like some matter to grab onto, um, you might just be spinning your wheels. So that could be a large part of why people are so distracted. Um, when distracting, when the distracting work is of God's appointing and not due to our own self-seeking, we can only glory in our infirmities and hope in God's grace. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure necessarily how you would know that, but if you're like really struggling, just you know, glory, just give, just glory in your own infirmities. You know, like hey, like Saint Paul says, uh, my weakness. I right. What does he say? I. Forget the exact quote. He talks about how his weaknesses, how they give glory to God. Um, It's a psychological law that one idea tends to call up another, according to the well-known principles of association and contrast, so that the very effort to make one idea clear may be the means of starting a distraction. So this is kind of like just a natural thing. Yeah, when you think about, and I think that happens to everybody. You know, you're praying, you're really like, having this conversation with God and all of a sudden you're taught, you're thinking about like major league baseball or, and, and you think, how did I get here? Right. And you can trace it back. It's like, Oh, I thought about this and then that. And it's like, Oh yeah. Okay. That's how I got here. Now I don't think you should do that. Don't, don't think about how did I get distracted? Because that itself is a distraction. Right. The devil is just continuing to offer you a new distraction right. about thinking about how you got distracted. Just throw it away and then just, reorient It doesn't yourself. matter how you got there. Just come back to God. Just reorient. Just, yeah, exactly. Just reorient. Um, sometimes all we can do is renew our attention to God according to the way in which we're praying to him. Um, and then he says this. I think this is just like, I need to hear this. I think everybody needs to hear this. I'm, I'm just... You're waiting until like an hour and 20 minutes in. This is just the point in the book when he gets to it. I'm just going through. Okay. Um, If we could only realize... Jim's over here halfway out the door. Jim, you need to listen to this. 
Okay. I'm glad you got it off that you got off the ground from earlier. Um, if we could only realize how much this continual turning back to God shows him our real love for him and pleases him more than the rapt attention that has its roots in self-love, we would never be dissatisfied with our prayer on account of its numerous distractions. Which I think St. Francis talks about that, that just if all we did was turn back to him the whole time, that it would just be like a beautiful, a beautiful prayer. Um, when one distracting thought keeps coming back over and over and over again, um, we should make it the subject matter of our prayer. We kind of mentioned that earlier. Then he says, when all else fails, we should endeavor to look over their shoulders. That's, that is the shoulders of the distraction. We should endeavor to look over their shoulders as if we're looking at some object beyond them and above them, which is God. So I think that there are like just kind of mental games you can play with yourself to help overcome some of these distractions. Because what do you do with them, right? They, they're like, sometimes they just get stuck in your intellect. Um, you know, just cast them aside. For instance, tomorrow I'm going to buy, I'm going to meet a guy to buy a mower. I've been researching mowers. I've been like delving into these zero turn mowers. So like I have, you know, I'll have like zero turn mower dreams. You know what I mean? Like right. this is what I'm. This is like what my mind is doing right now, dude. We are so old. Dude, I mean, this like, is like such an old. But I, I think this happens to people. Like if you're <laughs> like in the market for something, you're researching it. You know what I mean? But, like this is. But this is what we're in the market. I mean, this is we're old. It's just my. It's just the example I got. Okay. So like my mind is on bad boy zero turn mowers. Okay. So in prayer. It's still that's it's not going to change just because I start praying. It's not like my mind is like all of a sudden not still being my mind. Uh, so you just have to like learn to deal with with you know different things when you when you pray, and you have to like sometimes you just have to say, "Well, Lord, I'm really excited about this bad boy mower." <laughs> Speaking of which, I told the kids at dinner like, "Kids, girls, tomorrow I'm going to get a mower, and it's going to be the sweetest mower you've ever seen." And they're like, "What kind is it?" And I was like, "It's a ba- it's called Bad Boy." And they're like, "You should tell it not to be bad." Like they were a little bit scandalized by the name, and uh, rightfully so. Right, I know. And rightfully it so. It was pretty funny though. <laughs> That's all I got. Just pray. That's the, like we could have just thrown this all of this out, and we could have just said, "Just pray." Just like. Do it. How do you do it? You just do it. Like, just how do you love? How do you breathe? How do you pray? You right. Just how do you do love? It. You just love. Right. Yeah. Just pray um, every day without fail so that you can go to heaven. And pray for Jim. Because God, he just he wants you. He's, he loves you so much. He wants you to pray to him. And he wants Jim as well. And if you do, your life will change. So like that's an important thing, that if you're not praying every day, if you're not spending this quiet time, this mental prayer, if you're not trying to do that, um, you're missing out on a glorious life. Your life will absolutely change if you would simply develop this relationship. Because that's, you know, as Catholics, I think sometimes we, we miss out on this idea of a relationship with Christ. And that's what I found when we, I mean, I've told my story, I don't need to tell it now, but, you know, like this quiet time with, mm-hmm. with prayer, this mental prayer. What I found on the other side was a relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. He's there. And so um, if you have it, it'll change your life. If you don't have it, your life is dim comparatively speaking. So 
Have a full life. Because mental prayer is light. That's right. Have If you want a full, happy life, then this is the way. Jim. Jim.